What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Live Free Podcast. I am your host, Mike Maxwell. Today's guest is Mr. Rich Jacobs. He joined me via Skype from his studio in Oakland. Uh, we talk pilots, impressing your parents, communication, teen angst, punk and skateboarding, Rain Man, mistakes, the mission school artists, move shows, Franz Klein, Picasso, keeping it fresh, repetition, self-editing, and nature's teachings. So, as always, make sure you go check out MikeMaxwellArt.com. Click on the podcast and you'll get to the podcast page, which gives you all the information about each artist who's been on the show, the topics that we talk about. You can donate to the podcast over there on that page. In the upper right-hand corner of the page, there is an iTunes icon, a PayPal icon, uh, I think the Facebook and Twitter Maybe the PayPal icon is on the left side. But either way, there's icons along the top of the page. Click on any of those. If you want to subscribe in iTunes, just click on that link, the little iTunes icon, and it'll take you to the iTunes page where you can subscribe, and the episodes will show up automatically in your iTunes folder. If you want to donate to the show, you could do do so through that PayPal link. Drop a five, drop a ten, drop a deuce, whatever, whatever feels good. Um, follow the podcast at Live Free Podcast on Twitter. There is a like page if you're you're into the like pageness uh, on Facebook. Just search Live Free Podcast or search Mike Maxwell Podcast, and you should find it. Sorry, it's taken so long to get a, a new episode up. If I, I know, I just posted the solo show up not too long ago, but it's been a while since I was able to get the get some guests on the show. And if you listen to the solo show, you'll you'll understand. I feel like I'm back on the ball here. Um, I may record. I really had a lot of fun recording the solo show, so I might do a few more of those. I'm back in training after a long period of back injury, so that's exciting. Um, I I just recorded another episode of the Live Free podcast, Wisest Wizards uh, Voltron mix, which I had mentioned before that I was going to do. So I got that in the can. Um, I'll get that up probably. Maybe by the end of this week, uh, it's Wednesday today when I'm recording this. I'm going to try to get this up here shortly. And I think that is it. Do I need to do anything else? I'm going to do a couple group shows coming up in the next couple months. Check for uh, Mike Maxwell Art on Twitter and Facebook uh, for that stuff. And all that information will be up there. Um, So, okay, let's just get right into this thing. It's awesome to have Rich on the show. He's uh, He's been really influential in the sort of uh, modern folk art scene, I guess, if I'm going to... It's shitty to classify things, but he's played a very significant role in, I guess, in terms of art history over the last 10 years, I think, to a certain extent, uh, mostly in bringing groups of artists together and with, also within his own work. So it was, a, it was a privilege to have him on the show, and I think we had an interesting conversation that you guys, I think, will will enjoy. So, um, with all that said, got all the business out of the way, all the nonsense. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Mr. Rich Jacobs. All right. Let us give Rich a call. Hey, man. Rich Jacobs, what's up, my friend? <laughs> How are you? Can you hear me okay? Yeah, man, you sound great. How's uh, how's life treating you? Uh, things are good, man. Yeah. And, and yourself? 
Uh, I'm fantastic, man. I can't. I can't complain, really. I can if I want to, but uh, I'll, I'll choose not to. Um, first, I want to thank you for for taking the time to talk with me. It's it's rad to get you on the show. Oh, for sure, Mike. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Um, I you know, I I started seeing your work quite a few years ago now. Like thinking back, I was trying to think of when we met, and I know that at least I saw your work around '99. I think. Uh, Lance De Los Reyes and Monica Hoover oh. put together the uh, the Modest Behavior show, oh, which sure. for me yeah. I think was you know actually I would probably say that that was my first art like real art show, and it okay. was either that or Mode Art, the Mode Art okay. show that happened around the same time. Yeah, I was I was in both of those, and I actually lived in San Diego at that time. Yeah. Oh, did you? Uh, in, yeah. You're up in the Bay now, yeah. Well, yeah, but I, I'm originally from Los Angeles. I grew up in Long Beach, and uh, I spent a lot of time in, in New York as well from, like, right right after that, in about 2000 to 2007 or eight, I, I lived in New York. And uh, then from there, I moved to the, the Bay Area. What uh, what were uh, some of your early influences? You, said you grew up in Los Angeles. That's where you were born and raised? Yeah, I was born there, and then uh, my father was a pilot, so we we actually hopped around a little bit. I, I lived in uh, after after Los Angeles, we moved to uh, Seattle for a little bit, and then I also lived in uh, Denver, Colorado, for high school, and then right after high school, I moved back back to Los Angeles, like pretty much as soon as I could, I came back. Is the pilot world like one of those interesting subcultures <laughs> that people who aren't in the world don't really recognize? <laughs> Uh, you know what? There's, there's a, there's a lot of sort of like, like guys that came through the military to be in the, uh, to, in, you know, that are pilots, but yeah. my dad wasn't one of those guys. So I don't think he fit in totally uh-huh. other than the fact that when you see a pilot, you can kind of recognize them. They all kind of look pretty similar. Yeah. That's funny, right? <laughs> yeah. There is a little culture and like, it's funny you see them and they just all kind of look like they like all know each other and they almost always do <laughs> yeah yeah and you know there's got to be some sort of level of like daredevil like a yeah. little bit of a risk taker sure yeah it's funny because my dad's like mostly overall pretty pretty uh conservative and pretty pretty mellow but yeah. uh yeah just thinking about doing that is kind of a risk you know i mean yeah. i I'd be scared to do that. Yeah, fuck yeah, those guys that get in those little two-seater Cessna planes. Crazy, right? That shit is bad shit. That scares the fuck out of me. Yeah, my grandfather, well, it's a funny story because my father and my grandpa, um, my grandpa had his own kind of electrical contracting company there in Long Beach, but he used uh, his, he had a light aircraft and he would fly by himself like down to like south america and crazy places to put electrical into like buildings and stuff so for him it was like totally made sense for a business thing to have one but uh him and my dad just kind of took private like uh flying instructions mostly for that reason so that you know he could fly that plane and then my dad kind of on a whim uh he was supposed to kind of take over my grandpa's company and he just really fell in love with flying. That's what he wanted to do. So he, uh, he there was a United Airlines opening, and he just kind of went for it. My grandpa was like, yeah, sure, go ahead. They'll never hire you. And then they did. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So he did that instead of took over the family business, which I think uh, 
my grandpa was cool about, but I'm sure underneath it was probably a little bit bummed that he didn't do it, you know? Yeah. I think I was just listening to, like, a, a This American Life or maybe, like, a Freakonomics podcast, and they were talking okay. about family businesses. Uh-huh. Fuck. I, I want to say it was, like, a hotel chain or something. And yeah. we're talking about how... Uh, there's statistically tendencies for family businesses to not be ran well in yeah. the following generations because of oh, like, sure. yeah. you know, it's almost like your destiny being chose for you, you know, right. to it's a like certain a, It's extent. like a prearranged marriage or something. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So there's probably a lot, you know, and yeah. I was thinking about like, I wonder if there's less people getting involved in the pilot like <laughs> industry now too, especially with sure. the, you know, cause we see probably at your grandfather's age, like a lot of young men were, probably in the Korean War or maybe mm-hmm. Vietnam or, or you know, World right. War II, where yeah. that was a part of lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't I don't know how people become pilots nowadays. I mean, I'm, maybe there is more like, uh, you know, people just kind of freestyling like my dad did without yeah, the military. Right. I have no idea, but uh, it's interesting. It's a, it's a, it was a really cool profession for him because he loved to fly and, uh, you know, he he obviously he he's retired now, and he he made it through. You know, he did it for his whole career. That's all he did. So, do you do you see some of the uh, like correlations between that and like the risk taking and making art, like doing what you do? Like, you, you know, know, there there probably is. And the the thing I remember most, the 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 one parallel that I can make for sure is that I remember from a really early age, my dad just telling me he's like. He's like, you should do what you like to do for work because that that beats you know anything else. Like if you're if you're doing what you like, then it doesn't. He would say, if you do what you like, it doesn't it doesn't feel like work as much. You know, yeah. it's like, and I I remember that. I remember him telling me that. So, and I I think he's really surprised now because I I get to travel um, a fair amount for for you know being an artist and doing shows in different parts of the world. And he he always calls me and talks to me about it and he's like he's like man you've been more places than i have (laughs) but it's 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 cool to see him kind of get excited about that i think he i think he's a like weirdly like you know there's not a lot of things you can impress your parents with in terms of art but uh i think that's one area where my dad is kind of like wow i guess he's doing okay he's traveling you know that's a that's a funny (laughs) transition right when like even for people like I'm sure like friends that you've had in your younger age, like growing up, like having them see you in an art context, mm-hmm. like in like let's say like a big exhibition environment or something right. like that, that type of environment is so alien for a Super lot of people. Weird. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's even weird for artists. I sure, think. <laughs> it's especially weird for artists. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, I've I've run into friends at some of those sometimes, and they they completely get this like different idea about your life when they see you in this weird white gallery with like yeah sure. you know all these fancy people in there and stuff and you're just like if you only could see my my daily life you you wouldn't be as impressed with this you know i know it's such a weird it's, it's so strange the different lifestyles that take place in the yeah i'm sure in the life of anybody really sure in a in a weird way as much as we don't want to admit it cuz i think a lot of artists think of our studios or you know where we paint or whatnot is like where we work but to other people they just see us in those galleries and they think that's like where we work you know that's yeah. that's like the job so to speak <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is funny you know it's funny which, to think, think yeah, of that yeah right that's like saying like the people who manufacture some type of food product their real work is in the grocery <laughs> store yeah exactly you know 
Yeah. But it, it's that it's that cutoff. It's like no nobody really. I, I was thinking about this over the last couple months. Like I've been doing a lot of commission pieces, mm-hmm. and you know, like when pricing things like this, nobody really knows the amount of work, whether right. it's a lot or a little, or like yeah. the amount of experience you built up. Like yeah. they have, there's no way for them to know the the type of. Yeah. things that went on and it's just yeah. like i have no idea the type of things that go on when my shoes are being made <laughs> yeah everyone everyone that's an artist is somewhat considered this like mystery like shaman or something you know what i mean like we're we're considered kind of almost like magic or, yeah. or a complete artist in app to most people you know one or the other it's like we we produce these weird things out of nowhere to them or <laughs> yeah. you know and i don't whether they like it or not is another matter but uh yeah and i use the the magician analogy a lot or metaphor like yeah because really you know in a lot of contexts the context you're trying to trick the person's eye you know right you're tricking yeah. them into thinking something is different than what it is yeah on some and, level and you're producing something out of nothing in a weird way too yeah. you know and then the the connection with emotion that happens after that i guess is part of the the magic sure. too right yep well, um, when so when did art making become a process for you? I know that um, mm. that music plays a, a pretty significant role in the things that you do. Would you do you think that that uh, led you on a path of making things? Obviously, we all yeah. make shit when we're young. You know, it's interesting because I was trying to think about this the other day for some some reason, and I think music and art have sort of always existed, sort of in parallel, kind of. Uh, coexisting universes for me like they they've always sort of been connected in that you know even when I was doing a lot of music stuff and still do it's 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 pretty art based you know like I'm doing all the graphic design all the you know the packaging all the whatever like for other bands I was doing a lot of t-shirts and record covers and there's always like a tie-in with the art visual component of it but also you know the way I look at all this stuff you know, whether it be like what we're doing now, talking and communicating, it's all connected. You know, it's all self-expression yeah. and it's all it's all coming from within in the same place. You know, just yeah. just in the way that like like not myself, but a lot of people can dance, you know, like that's, <laughs> that's their way. Of, that's their way of expressing themselves. Sure. You know, other people are good at math. That's definitely not me either. But, you know, the things that I can do, hopefully a little bit are, are draw and, and, and make some kind of weird sounds that like at least uh are expressive you know right and yeah. you know it was funny i was i was thinking about music i was talking to my mom about how uh grateful i was that sure. the amount of music that was played in the house and like i was oh, thinking cool. about like my dad's record collection like uh-huh. even the illustrations on like um oh you remember all that stuff as a kid right? yeah i was trying to think it, it was either miles davis or uh, I want to say there was a, an illustration of a like a um, not a chimpanzee like a um, like a baboon yeah. eating cake in like a, <laughs> like a really dolly esque sort of yeah. cover that like yeah. I could picture to this day and have some connection to mm-hmm. music through that and sure. it's, it's funny like music in and of itself like I was saying this recently that it's really two different arts put together anyway like. Right. The idea of songwriting and telling stories through metaphor and, you know, a very limited vocabulary to a certain extent or a sort of manipulated vocabulary mm-hmm. is very different from the music that goes along with it. Like I was thinking about how music is made, 
like right. how people will m- make a musical track and then a songwriter will have some lyrics that sure. that go to it in, on some level and they yeah. sort of learn to collaborate. Whereas yeah. it's not like sometimes we think of it as just one thing. Mm-hmm. For me, it's weird because I play a lot of instrumental music, so I'm kind of, in a sense, almost eliminating the 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 um not the story because I try to sort of picture sometimes I, I kind of view the music I make and this is I don't mean to sound pretentious but I kind of look <laughs> at it as like uh, almost like fake soundtrack music you know it's like for films that I want to shoot in the future like yeah. I'll make this music that I think has like a narrative or it's like it's there's like a story to it but it's 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 all done in sound you know it's like the the feelings and stuff kind of build on each other to make make the story but but i don't have like lyrics that are like guiding people or telling them you know what to think let me ask you this then like with using art uh as a medium of um expression or even communication yeah oftentimes uh the metaphors or the things that are involved in the actual communication get lost or it's even like a telephone game how like how a transition from an observer to the creator, like, right. that there can be a transition where a, somebody gets a totally different communication. Do you feel okay. like doing some of these other things helps you communicate? Obviously, yeah. maybe on a different level, but do you think you can communicate a little bit more? Well, it's interesting. I, I feel like, for me, um, the things that I can't necessarily draw or paint I feel maybe those are the types of ideas that I try to convey in, in the music. And then the things that I can't do musically, I feel like I, like there's certain feelings I have that I definitely don't feel comfortable just expressing or, or, or like with words. So yeah. I'll find a way to just, you know, that's, I think that's why I became an artist initially sure. is because I was really shy. You know, I had, I had a lot of, uh, sort of inward feelings that i needed to get out and the way to do it for me just naturally came through drawing that's ever since i was a little kid i was sort of drawn to doing that and uh in in doing that mm -hmm. do you feel like that process was more about not overthinking yourself when you got into the drawing process what do you think it was about the the art process that helped you know let's say somebody who who feels the same way who maybe doesn't have an outlet? Like, what do you think the transition was? I think I think for me, uh, part of it was just being excited that that you could make, you know, you could do something with something that was empty. You could take a blank sheet of paper, and all of a sudden, there weren't. Unlike a lot of other things in life, there really aren't a lot of rules that you have to follow for art. <laughs> yeah. If you want, if you want to, you, you definitely can. Yeah. You know, there's definitely disciplines and strategies in which people go about you know using to make their work but like if you don't want those there's there's no one you know there's no one in your studio above your shoulder saying like don't do that you know yeah luckily luckily there isn't you know so for me i think there was a really uh strong desire for that freedom to be able to do what i wanted um it felt really liberating it felt really nice and like i said i was shy so it was kind of like this other voice that I could I could draw like if someone was someone was bumming me out I could draw it <laughs> yeah and you know like that was that was a, an outlet for me and you know I I think when I was younger like punk music that I that I was involved in and got real interested in also provided sort of like a little home away from home in terms yeah. of just feeling like 
you know, here's some, here's some people that I could relate to, or these are, so, you know, these are, I don't maybe relate entirely to like the society as a whole, but this yeah. is a little section of things that I can get into. And Do you think that, you know, we, we typically connect those ideas with like a teen angst. Do you feel like be. there's a yeah. part of that, like a natural stage of when that, the, the transition between being a young, a boy into right. becoming a young man, like you're in that, you're almost in like a middle sort of, um, stage where you're not quite a boy anymore but you're not quite a man yet and you kind of don't know where you fit in with the world yeah i I mean i think that that's a really interesting point of your life because it's it can be very uh frustrating for a lot of people especially if there isn't like an outlet if there's no way to sort of talk about that or express that i sometimes wonder if that's a stereotypically male thing you know like we talk I, i talk about a lot you know like women's roles in different creative uh outlets and i wonder if there's something in that particular stage of life that young men go through or young boys go through that may lead them on a bit of like a like fuck this i want freedom and i'm gonna (laughs) do what the fuck i want to do like i wonder if there's more like because i obviously like the way things are sort of set up at least back you know when we were growing up a little more is that you know you there was that expectation that you were gonna be that guy you know the the provider or whatnot so like maybe that extra pressure uh for certain people was enough to to make them feel like there's there's uh you know there's a there's a need for freedom and that kind of thing yeah and that's all just like off the top of my head like wondering just thinking Mm -hmm. about that like the way that sort of stage of life that a lot of young boys go through like if if and you know i'm sure females experience it i don't know if they experience it on some different type of level or some different right completely emotional experience that's separate from that from that teen angst i I don't know i think everybody kind of has a certain point in their life when they feel those feelings you know men or women but uh i also feel like um you know, like for me, like I was really drawn to skateboarding as well, which is kind of a weird connector because a lot of the people back then at least were kind of involved also in, you know, skateboarding and punk were kind of connected at the hip back then a little more than they are now. Yeah. And the um, visuals in those two different worlds are, are yeah. so graphically interesting. Totally. I, you know, for people who grew up pre-internet, I think yeah. that those those two particular worlds in the time frame of the last you know, 30 years. Sure. Graphically significant. And it's interesting when you look at like other, like singular activities, like, I don't know, it's starting to change like with surfing, I guess. But like, you know, if you look at like BMX or like, I don't know, like uh archery or something, <laughs> some, something else, whatever people are into, like yeah. you don't really see a lot of those people like making zines and like documenting what they're doing and like, you know, I mean, like baseball players weren't making their own fanzines, and like, there's just this, this, <laughs> there's like a lot of creativity that was coming out of skateboarding from kids. You know, that that is kind of surprising and, and interesting. And and when I look back on it, it's it's kind of amazing. There's like so much energy, like even off the skateboard, just in terms, it, it kind of becomes like your whole way of looking at things in your life. You know, and. And I, I, I think that that's true to a certain extent with other things, but I don't I don't see the same amount of like creativity coming from other other places. Like, 
you know, like filmmakers and like so many people in our in our world now kind of came out of skateboarding and it's interesting to see as we grow up and get older and sort of watch those those changes, you know. Yeah, and it's hard because you don't have a lot of things to reference it against. Like there's right. not that many I mean, besides technology, there's not a lot of uh, new creative innovation. Uh, <laughs> right. At least not that I could think of offhand, like in terms of yeah. like something on the, the scale of skateboarding. Like right. you know, taking a piece of wood and some wheels, like looking <laughs> at the entire genealogy of it. It's yeah. really fucking interesting. It is, yeah. And, it, so, and it's, it's so simple in such a way. You know, like you're bas- basically just taking a piece of wood putting wheels on it and rolling on the earth, you know what I mean? And, like, you know, but, it also opens up for, like, the the kids that grew up skating on the street. Like, you you start to observe your environment in a different oh, context. You and, look at everything as skatable or not skatable. Right. And you see the same <laughs> stuff with graffiti writers and yeah. people who like to do stuff on the street. Like, you see, you start to visualize your community in a, in a far different light. And... You know, I always like when when you know when I was talking about like with the with the pilots, like a whole community yeah. that you don't really yeah. know exists. Yeah. When you find those little pockets of interesting subcultures, all of a sudden new life exists on some yeah. level. Like there's a an excitement from it. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I I can remember being really excited about finding other like-minded like skateboard kids. You know, and like. Back then, it was, like, really weirdly tribal. You know, you'd see someone wearing a pair of Vans, and they were all of a sudden your, like, closest friend for a second there. You know, it was like, now that, you know, little signifiers like that don't mean quite as much as they used to, but they they still can. You know, like, you can run into someone in another country wearing a shirt of one of your friend's art, you know, or something, and that all of a sudden it's, like, a reason to talk to that person, you know? Yeah, totally. I I think that still exists, you know, on some level. I, uh... I met Steve Caballero maybe him five years ago, Brad. and uh, we worked on this mural thing together. Been like I helped him out with something. Oh, cool! And ever since, then, like I'm gonna try to, I'm, we're trying to get him on the show. But like, yeah. when I met him, I was like, shit! I used to wear half cabs when <laughs> I was a fucking yeah. kid, and like, yeah. like I, there, I give all the respect to him. Just you know, coming from the knowledge of that history, like, and it's yeah. it's really important to the graphic art world of of the last sure. fifteen years, at least. Yeah, and least. he played he played in a really important uh, early skate rock band called the Faction. You know, uh-huh. like, there's I mean, it's so interesting. He's like, a bass player, right? Yeah, he played yeah. bass and guitar too. Yeah. You're, you're sort of a. Do you consider yourself like a historian now? I feel like <laughs> I, I learn a lot from you from the stuff that you post about music. Uh, I, on the I appreciate level. you saying that. I mean, I, I I just consider myself curious, you know. But other yeah. other people definitely have. Uh, I don't know. Maybe pegged me and. I, I, in some ways, it's kind of funny. I have a friend the other day that told me that I was borderline. Uh, I don't know what the word for it is, but kind of like uh, almost like Rain Man or something. You know, he's, <laughs> he's like you have like all this weird, not like the most obscure knowledge, and you can just like rattle it off. And I think I think only for certain things that I care about. You know, sure. like the things that I really am interested in. I do, you know, do a lot of thinking about it and research it, and like you know, just study and all that stuff. But 
but more than that, it's because you care about it, you know. Like, can you tell me like your you that you? Li- I, I really want to know that you listen to like some <laughs> cheesy pop songs that are like Billboard top ten cheesy songs. I I wish I could, you know. That's one thing I've never been able to really get down with is is just listening to the radio. I think is is here's I guess you know there are there are some surprises. Like I think a lot of people get surprised when I tell them I like that band, The Police. Yeah, or, you know, or they're, yeah. they're they're a pop band, you know. Well, I know you like you you post a lot of older music too. Like I, I find a real fascination with like the Appalachian, like the, sure. the Irish folk music transition into like uh-huh. Appalachian country music and yeah. how like the traditional folk songs. Like I play some like weird old old shit that yeah. like people would look at me like, "What the fuck are you doing, guy?" Like yeah. uh, like some little old ladies that sing right. folk songs that have been played for hundreds and hundreds of years. Like. I'd I love think that. that's really. I think it's cool to to hear the thread that like I'll make mixtapes or whatever too. Sometimes they're just like, you know, anything from like music from like 1900 to like, you know, the most avant garde like weird noise composer to like, I don't know, a punk band that like <laughs> yeah. it's from like Indiana, you know, yeah. 1981 or something. Like it, <laughs> it doesn't matter to me. Like if if there's something that I can relate to and, and, and respect or just, just feel in there, then like it's, it's connected, you know, and it feels, it feels like the same to me. There's no, uh, there's no like hierarchy, you know? That's why I, I, I talk about that a lot. Like there's certain sounds that are just intrinsically attached to my DNA that yeah. no matter what it is, if I hear the certain patterns and rhythms, mm-hmm. I know that I'm going to like it. Like it, yeah. sometimes I there's definitely songs that I don't like at first that I end sure. up liking over a period of time, but right. there's the real songs that I hear right away that like Just I hear out of the yeah. corner of a room and it <laughs> snaps my head and I'm like, yeah. what is that? Yeah. And, and you know, it, some of it's like hard to even explain. It just is like a feeling, you know? Yeah. There's a cool documentary about, um, I, I forget what it's called. The, the, it's on Netflix about, it, it's basically how the, it's something about the heart being a beatbox or like, yeah. The connection between being in the womb and hearing the blood and the, right. the heartbeat of your mother. Yep. Like, there's some sort of return to the womb scenario. I, I could relate to that. Yeah. And you just feel, there's a comfort. Then it's, I always, there's a comfort level. I think with abstract art, there's a lot of parallels, too. You know, like, a lot of the rhythms and sort of, you know, line work kind of all interflowing, like, there's there's a lot of parallels like a lot of the pattern and kind of abstract based stuff that i make is to me really musical you know like uh-huh. it feels like the visual accompaniment to music to me anyway you and know can you tell when like a note is off air quotes <laughs> a note yeah but you know what sometimes those are the best parts man yeah the, the mistakes sometimes are the, the the human element you know because otherwise machines could make music or art perfect probably but it would look really flat you know or really like lifeless you know yeah i like i like the mistakes or the little rough patches that sort of let you know that like there's a human behind it you know? well i that's something i'd like to talk about like i i feel like and you know i i have a tendency to romanticize like my beginnings in art you know like those sure. time frames um i feel like in the mid to late 90s there was a movement where there is less preciousness to art. Not that it had sure. any less value, but right. it was it was uh, less put on a pedestal. And I think part of that came from the people who were making you know 
found objects works. We're yeah. usually utilizing whatever uh, mediums and options that were available to them to communicate on a level. There was a yeah. a level of like uh, where the preciousness or like the like high snobbery was taken yeah. away. But at the same time, like the intrinsic value and like the honesty in it felt to me at the time like it was well above any of these other types yeah. of forms so, of art. Some of it was like a humbleness trying to get away from like the maybe super, you know, like uh, extravagant or, or exaggerated like 80s kind of like cocaine sort of art world. Yeah, madness, yeah, yeah. You know? Like just the extravagance and excessiveness i guess really is a better word like a natural ebb and flow toward yeah i mean for example let's just let's i mean if what we're talking about is the same like you know you look at someone's work like margaret kilgallen or something who really you know came came up in the in the 90s if you look at her work you know from about 93 to when she passed away in the early 2000s like that era the, the 90s you know up to the 2000s and even still in the early 2000s you know, there was there was a definite. All of a sudden, it was like more focus was on like the handmade, like you know, like like I, we we're talking about earlier, like some of the like leaving some of the like human errors or some of the like uh-huh. li- not even errors is not the right word, but like the the areas that uh, showed that there was a human behind it, and I think that's that's totally valuable. You know, like the and and like most sort of movements in art even though it's kind of weird to think of yourself as being a part of a movement like yeah those those things happen kind of based on what's happened before so like with everything else before it was kind of like uptight and like really like glossy you know it, it makes sense that like if you see that and you and you're not a part of that scene you're kind of like well i want to that's not really how i do it i want to make it like a little more humble or like you know real or like you know something that anyone could relate to instead of like someone that like has four degrees has to like appreciate this or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I under, I understand it. And I, and I, I mean, I feel like that's sort of the scene that I came into. Like those are my people or my, you know, the people that I like knew and respected and worked with and had a lot of shows with kind of in that era were, were people that were kind of like trying to, trying to just sort of take what they had and, and make something beautiful out of, out of nothing or, yeah. or whatever, you know, and like and, you know, there was a level of an, of acceptability, I think. Yeah, from the people, entire people community. pushed it though. I mean, it, it, there there was an acceptability later on, but like there was resistance too. Like when Barry and Margaret and like myself and like Chris Johansson and like Alicia McCarthy and people like that were painting on like you know like kind of like the worst piece of wood you'd find on yeah. the street or whatever. Yeah, you know, I don't mean acceptability yeah. from like the from like society or like from right. the, the gallery community, <coughs> but ex- ex- almost acceptability for people who may not have even been in the art even yeah. had art in their peripheral vision at all. Like it was acceptable and maybe acceptable yeah. isn't the right word. It was um approachable a little more comfortable or welcoming to them. Welcoming, yeah, that's what I'm trying to say, like, yeah. accepting in of yeah. people who may not have been uh, yeah. willing to be in, in an art environment in that way. Yeah, and I don't even think that's entirely on accident, because a lot of the people were making those choices, you know, like, to yeah. make work that was sort of, like, on that level, like, more human, you know? Yeah. Instead of, like, Accessible. Ma- accessible is what I was trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. There is... I mean, there's, it's an interesting parallel because like, 
there's a lot of people that try to make this art that's sort of like unobtainable or like no one could ever do this except for me. And then like, I think there's a group of artists that were like, you know what, anyone can express themselves. And here's, here's like a quick example of like how we're doing it and you can do it too, you know? Yeah. So there is a sort of modestness or a humbleness or kind of like a, uh, back down to earth kind of sure and you know for somebody like me who was you know just coming out of high school i was 19 20 like mm -hmm. seeing a world that i had no idea really existed i only had the sort of pretentious idea of what an art world was from history books or like you sure. know just whatever the societal context was that it was placed like, in you see for at somebody. the museum and stuff right? yeah exactly like it felt so far out of reach that it like you know coming up i was like oh well i'll make cartoons or draw yeah. the sunday comics or whatever right. like yeah but yeah. when like when i saw margaret stuff yeah you know 98 99 right around there i guess yeah uh you know just before she passed away like i was like this one of those times where a whole new world opens up, and I feel like you were a, a played a significant role in that too. In that, like, uh, I think new image art was just kind of getting mm -hmm. their their gears going, and right. you know, I I definitely saw the show that was uh, that you had upstairs, okay, in the little like it looked yeah, like a, a dentist office, yeah, like yep. they had that space upstairs, yeah, and I think they moved shortly thereafter but uh yeah i did a couple of shows up there that's that was that was the uh funny thing about new images marcia used to call me after the first move show i did was actually at a different place called george's which was owned by extra large it was, mm -hmm. it was actually a nice space but um the first move show i ever did was there and then marcia came to it i didn't even know what the word curation meant i just kind of put <laughs> together an art show with some people that i thought were you know doing really cool stuff which happened to be you know margaret and barry and yeah. like thomas campbell phil frost you know rick what? froberg like some of my friends you know that i just were, were stoked on and, and like wanted people to see what they were doing chris sherry and andy ward and just some people that i thought were cool and then uh marcia was like whoa no one's ever really shown all these different things together in one thing like you you know what you're doing you're you're like a curator and i was like <laughs> i was like uh, okay like i didn't i just kind of like was like if you if you think so that's cool you know like if you're gonna give me the chance to like keep doing this i'll do it but i i didn't have any plan to to do that i just kind of was like i want to do a show and i want to have some friends in it and then yeah. all of a sudden it was like this thing that was way bigger than what I could have ever constructed. It was like people were like saying all these different things about like, you know, my ideas about it that I, that, that like, it was cool to hear, but it was like not necessarily like what I had thought I was doing. I thought I was yeah. just trying to help some friends out, you know? Wait, wait, did you ever think of it in like a terms of like an artist mixtape, you know, because you brought up yeah, mixtape? Yeah, I mean, that's really it. kind of what, what the move shows are, you know? It's like, this is the stuff that moves me. This is the stuff that like I'm excited about or like this is like someone that's doing something totally a little different you know and I, and I can appreciate it and that's that's still kind of how it is you know yeah um so how 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 did that start off like get you going into your art career was it did, did you feel like you got like a sort of a springboard you know it's weird is, i i i'll tell you what happened is i i uh i went to art school for a little while in los angeles I got to a point where it was 
hard for me to justify keep going to it because it, it it wasn't allowing me to do the stuff that I really wanted to do with art. So I stopped and just just started making art. And, and I and I was young, you know, I didn't know what I was going to do. So I was like, I want to. The whole reason I make art is for other people to see, not just myself, because I know what my own artwork looks like. You <laughs> yeah. know? And I was like, I want to put it out there a little bit in a different way, other than just like you know, writing it on a wall every once in a while. Like I wanted, I wanted some other people to see it too. So I was like, okay, well, uh, I guess I'm going to just start putting on like an art show, you know? And I, and I didn't know how to do that, but I just like went and asked the two places that were closest to me that I thought made sense. Yeah. They both said yes. But one of them was like, yeah, you can do it in like three years or something. And I was like, <laughs> no, I, I want to do it now, you know? Yeah, sure. So I went with that place and they, uh, uh, you know, what's weird is like that's the only time I really tried to do that. You know, I, I, I almost, with exception to one or two other shows later on, like pretty more recently, like I've I've actually honestly pretty much only curated when people have asked me to do it. Like I don't, yeah. I don't really try to go push it on other people. It's like always when people are like, "Hey, do you want to do a show here?" and then I'll I'll curate something. Yeah, and I feel really fortunate because people do kind of consider you know part of what i do uh you know as a curator and like <clears throat> i feel really fortunate to be able to have that position of trying to share work of friends you know and, yeah. and people i like but i i also you know consider myself an artist and and i and i like to show what i'm doing too but uh it's always fun to have friends you know along sure. with and uh, to share like uh, i i think Part of, I, you know, I feel like we're, I, I talked about this, I was just on the Saturated Life podcast, another okay. art podcast, and um, I talked about the, the do-it-yourself movement that was taking place just before 9-11, sure. basically. I feel like that's the cutoff point. Okay. And I feel like we're kind of moving back into another one of those do-it-yourself movements, now that we've come a certain distance from that last little time marker. Yeah. And I feel like... The more that we're able to help one another, like doing this podcast, I, I know that a lot of the people who are on the show probably have many more fans than I do or, you know, admirers or people who are interested in their stuff. But at the same time, like if I could just share what people are doing to two other yeah. people, like it's beneficial. Yeah. And in some way, yeah. you know, it'll come back to me twofold, just in, sure. in not that that's why I'm doing it, but just right. in the nature of it. Sure. Yeah. I mean, there's whenever that's that's the kind of one of the neatest things about making art is you you make the art and you put it out there and then all of a sudden it's not up to you anymore like what happens like <laughs> yeah. people take it kind of into their own hands like how you know all of a sudden it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people that see it and some of those people have a position of of you know making something else happen and, and they do and it's it's pretty fun and exciting i think as an artist to sort of see what can happen and like how your art can kind of grow legs and all of a sudden it's in like a you know weird museum in germany that you never even heard about <laughs> yeah, you know yeah like For but sure. if you wouldn't have made the work it wouldn't have got there you know yeah and so it is interesting yeah that's the that's you know that putting in the hours i was talking about how like looking at a bunch of old paintings like how painful it is sometimes <laughs> right <laughs> you're just embarrassed <laughs> about yourself Right. But really, it's like you have to make, you know, you mentioned mistakes. You have to make all those mistakes to yeah, really figure at. out yeah. where you're at. You know? It's true. Unless you're some yeah. weird phenom type. 
if you if you just came out like with all the right moves right away. Yeah, there's some of those people out there. I'm definitely not one of them. <laughs> you know, it's really interesting too. I've always been fascinated with this. If you look at like, and I'm not real huge on like art history or whatnot, but I do yeah. appreciate what happened before. And and there's a lot of amazing artists that have come up obviously in history. But uh, if you look at like history books and you look at like I don't know, like people that like have books now that are on the shelves of bookstores that you go to. Like, if you look at a lot of their early work, a lot of times you'll see that there's like a very predominant influence. Like, say maybe it's Picasso, or you know, like even a lot of the abstract painters. When you look at their early work, it's like, well, that looks a lot like this guy, and then Mm -hmm. you'll sort of see what their influences are. Right. So not everybody, and it's a good reminder that not everybody comes out the gates like with this totally unique interesting weird style yeah totally and it's but. hard to it's hard to picture it when you're only especially in this modern day and age where we're inundated with information day in and day out yeah. it's actually doing this show being able to go back and look at an artist's work over a particular period of time yeah shows me the the history and transitions and yeah. and struggles and uh, yeah. ideas and different things that they had to go through over a period of time where, right. like aging, we don't really see it until we look at it from a context of 10 yeah. years later. Right. And yeah, I mean, the history, history, you have the luxury of kind of looking backwards and kind of seeing the whole picture. When you're in the middle of it, you're just kind of seeing what's right in front of you. And, and I, I think that's what's kind of nice about seeing someone's career that lasts a long time as you can see all these different like phases or different like levels of of their work grow and change and uh one of the, one of the most inspiring artists this is going to sound funny because I'm, I'm not necessarily like no one would really see this really but like it, i guess when they look at my work but i i think that one of my favorite painters is like uh Let's. I'll just say, like, let's say one of them is like maybe like Franz Klein, who's like sort of a really abstract kind of line painter. You know, like uh, pre, you know, after World War II, kind of uh, abstract expressionist. But that, that's that's one of my favorite painters. But it has nothing to do with like my like character-based work. But that's uh-huh. that. You know. But then another really inspiring thing to me is not even necessarily like Picasso's artwork. Like I don't even totally always like identify with all of you know the different styles that he had but the fact that he had so many different styles is what's interesting to me like i i personally relate more to his like sculptural work than like maybe even his paintings but i love the fact that it was never one thing his whole life he always kind of mixed it up and changed it there was so much different stuff that that's that's what's inspiring. Do you feel like that comes out of the of putting in the work? Like for instance, yeah. I just I just caught a little bit of flack uh, from uh, an old collector about okay. some of the more abstract stuff that I had been doing recently. Like okay. I, I start I did this series I I I started a, a fight series like uh, altercations or like something that revolved around some type of altercation, right? And that kind of led into like war scenes. Like okay. like the destruction left after a war scene, okay. Um, and then it led me into um, natural disaster and the okay. sort of imagery that comes from natural disaster. Sure. And I did this one image from the Japanese tsunami of mm-hmm. all the um, the cargo 
containers that were all just stacked up on top of each other. Like, it had a really abstract, interesting look to it. I was like, oh, I want to make something like that. And then I went through and watched, like, hours and hours of the Japanese tsunami footage. It's pretty heartbreaking, right? So, like, powerful on a different way than I was aware of before I sat down and did it. And so, like, I had this, like, idea of, of just all the broken wood in the water. Yeah. making imagery and so i started making stuff that was sort of an abstraction of that like it started yeah. very specific like broken down houses and fucked up shit right. into right. just kind of like brush strokes that were yeah. representative of a piece of broken wood or sure. something yeah yeah and i really got my balls broke like not maybe not so much got my balls broke but you know like they were like you know this might uh turn off some of your people who are more interested in Right. The figurative work and i was like you know a lot of times it feels like when making things the right. the actual audience may not at least in my own experience they don't mm-hmm. actually catch up to the tide of it uh-huh. until a few years later like it doesn't make yeah. sense to a lot of people so like yeah. right now a bunch of people are interested in the things that i made like six seven years ago that happens yeah it's fucking strange That's, man it's common yeah you find the like same thing happens. I feel like that happens a lot, and and people weirdly, if you do something along for a while, like people sort of think that you do that always. Like I'll have, <laughs> yeah. I'll have a show where it'll be all abstract work, and they'll be like, "Oh, tell like tell me about your your figurative or your faces or see your heads or whatever." Yeah. It's like like can, did you see the show? There's like no heads in it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. people like kind of just want you to be what they think that your artwork always is. You know and yeah. I, I don't know. It, here, here's a good analogy. Like, for me, like, how interesting would it be if you liked a band and then they just made the same record every time? Do you know what I mean? Like same it, exact song. It just wouldn't be very, very fun to hear. So, like, as a painter, you, you have this weird balance of trying to not make the same painting every time or the yeah. same idea every time because you want it to be interesting to yourself. Sure. But if you if you blow it so far out where people that do appreciate your work can't relate to it it's hard to but like sometimes i have that inclination to just go for that anyway you know just be like well this is not maybe for them you know yeah sometimes like and you know sometimes it feels like oh maybe i should do more of that as like the antagonist yeah i mean it's it's hard i mean you want to i think i don't know i mean i think everyone has to do what feels right for them and stuff but like for me sometimes it's like well I'll just do what feels right for me at the time. And like, sometimes that means I'm going to do a show that's totally unconventional or weird that, you know, like in the presentation, the idea, like the title of it, it's going to just be something that I feel like I need to do. Like that's, mm-hmm. I, if you're talking about self-expression, like it has many different facets and it's not the same every time. So that makes sense to me that there's going to be some variation, you know? And I hope, <coughs> I hope that other people can, can identify with that or relate to that like i always i don't know i i can really appreciate uh artists that, that make that attempt you know someone like chris johansson for example is kind of pushing his work in a different direction a lot you know barry like there's people that make stuff that it it's always good but it's always a little different you know and yeah. that's even if it takes some time it's they're they're thinking about that and trying to push themselves and i I've always respected and looked up to, to, like I said, you know, artists that kind of like 
didn't just do one thing their whole life. Take, like, it's another risk, right? You got to take yeah. the risk because for yeah. people who are making a living doing this thing, you know, yeah. this is a, an idea that comes up a lot on the show. And definitely, I have no intention of throwing anybody specific under the bus, but there are yeah. certain groups of artists that have a tendency yeah. to do recreate the same yeah. thing over and over. And yeah. if that, if for them, that is yeah. what brings them joy and they enjoy yeah. like the process and have fun yeah. and make money, I'm all for it, like 120%. Yeah. Right. But as a, as a viewer, like sometimes for boring, me, right? it's not, it's almost like, I, I almost feel like sometimes it becomes an insult on my own intelligence as a, as a viewer. And obviously yeah. I'm not that important of a role in the making of the thing, but like as right. the viewer, like I'm like, really, you're going to hit me with this again? Yeah. yeah. But, you know, that's only my opinion out of yeah. It's a a tough balance. I think some people really struggle with that because some people get kind of freaked out when they make, you know, like a bunch of abstract art that no one buys. They'll be like, oh, (laughs) man, I can't sell any of this or whatever, you know, whatever it is. And, like, I can understand that. But I also – I can also dig people that just, like, mix it up and don't don't even – ever look back you know i can sure. i can sort of see both sides of that i feel like there's a lot of different types of artists who have a lot of different types of reasons for doing the different things that they do yeah and it's sure. it's not always what it seems you know like of course. If, someone, if someone keeps doing the same thing maybe you know maybe they just have this weird fear of being broke or who knows what it is like i, don't, I mean that's maybe not the best motivation to do something yeah. but like for some people that's a very real thing man just getting getting that figured out is hard for some and sometimes you know i like to think about it sometimes is that maybe it's not even so much what the imagery is it's like what the processes are while you're making the images it you know a lot of times for me the image at the end is it it doesn't even really matter what it is right yeah it's it's more about where it's taking you while you're making it and you know what you're what you're discovering in the process but that's the selfish selfish side of being an artist where (laughs) you know if at the end it's such a weird environment where, like, let's say you were writing a play. You would be writing something that you were expressing something, but you're also trying to entertain a crowd. You know, yeah. that's part of the process in, like, let's say writing a movie or something. You know at some point you're trying to entertain somebody. But it doesn't yeah. feel like that, even with making music like live performance. But it doesn't right. feel that so much in the sort of presentation of art. Maybe, right. Maybe more so recently when people are trying to like make more maybe i'm going to use the word gimmicky shows just because because i don't have a better descriptive word at the moment but i hear you i mean i think i think certain attitudes or certain uh personalities are kind of drawn to like doing something that's like shocking or something Uh that's gonna like get people's attention and then there's artists that like never even care at all and they just like have (laughs) any other you know like they just have the gallery or the museum hang the work and they don't care and like yeah. they just made the art and that's all it is for them like it's all it means a lot of different things to so many different people and i you know i don't i don't want to say like one way is better or, yeah, or worse it's not yeah it's not and it's yeah. it really sometimes it's rad just to see the the artwork you know, like there there's there's a there's a saying that like if if good design is is actually done like you won't even notice that it is designed it'll just be like you'll you'll see the art you know yeah. or what, like in a magazine or something if the layout is done well you might not even notice it because it's done so well you know <laughs> yeah 
and that there's something to that i mean i also like good design and i like i like you know abstract design too where you can totally tell that it was designed but is uh yeah. is your focus lately been on making abstract things lately are you still uh, in even balance you know what i try to i try not to even make a choice really yeah, on it. Yeah. like i do i have been doing a lot of really pattern-based work that i i kind of i lived in uh argentina last year for for a good like seven or eight months oh, nice. in buenos aires and uh when i was down there i was you know it was i looked at it as a new opportunity or challenge to kind of try to do some new things uh-huh. um and i i had a show kind of at the end of that trip and while i was right when i was about to leave and it it was mostly you know kind of abstract pattern stuff but uh i've even back to the very first show i was ever ever in it was like all mixed up it was like all different and i and and the reason why is because when i sit down i never i never try to really have a plan i just try to tap into what's ever in there and whatever comes out and basically i don't know i haven't been the best uh artist at editing because i just kind of like sometimes will put everything that comes out up (laughs) yeah that's that's maybe not the best way sometimes but that's that's how i work i just i make a lot of stuff and I kind of try to just show a lot of it, you know. And uh, sometimes, sometimes that's overwhelming for people, and they just kind of want to focus on one or two things. And mm-hmm. I've done shows like that too before, but I, you know, I really want to just sort of like keep myself interested and in, in, and do things that I think I I would like to see. And I hope that that's an honest thing. And I hope that other people can like find something for it in themselves you know that's what i was wondering if it's a, a, a level of honesty that that uh sort of pushes you to show everything like like it's almost yeah because some of it in all fairness is not really that good you know like are our, our not not as fun to look at but some of some of the stuff that i like best is the stuff that people want to see the least and, <laughs> yeah. and then the stuff that i'm kind of not into as much it tends to be people's favorite so it's yeah you never so hard tell. to tell man yeah, you know it's impossible <clears throat> and I don't, you can never I don't really even want to guess you know what i mean sometimes i've tried I, i've yeah. tried to see like just in like a predict the formula like look at yeah. the data and see if there's a formula there's no yeah. formula there's no data like there's a bunch of data that means nothing I remember, I remember early on, like being like, "Oh man, this is my favorite thing. I worked so hard on this one," and like, people just walk right by it, yeah, you know, and then they'll go for the one that took me like ten minutes or something. It's like, like, ah. Oh, well, I was, like, uh, I was just down at the comedy store here in La Jolla, and I yeah. had my little Boston Terrier with me, okay. and uh, after the show, everybody came out, and uh, I was picking somebody up, and there was this group of uh, sort of wealthy La Jolla type like rich women who are probably more than likely I'm making assumptions but are are pretty much used to getting what it is that they want for the most part. Sure. And they're like, Ah Boston Terrier, come here and say hi, I wanna pet you. My dog walked two steps towards him, like looked at him with like this judgmental look and then turned around and walked the other way. <laughs> and just killed me, man. So funny. Yeah that's the attitude of my little Boston is <laughs> worthwhile it's fucking hilarious sometimes sometimes nature can be the best teacher you know yeah i know right (laughs) well rich uh i want to thank you for again for taking the time to shoot the shit with me i appreciate Uh, it mike thanks for thanks for uh asking me the questions and taking the time i appreciate it for sure and uh is there anywhere that we could um send listeners to check you out or got anything that you want to you know i finally 
there is a weird website and it's it's just called my website is in your mind.com um i traded a friend a painting and he made it i don't know how to do that stuff but yeah. um i don't update it enough but um it's on there and then uh i don't know i have a couple big kind of mural projects coming up one for vans uh at the u.s open surf contest next week i'm going to be going down and painting a bowl with a couple other artists right where's that uh, at? it's in huntington beach uh and it's it's like kind of like the biggest surf contest of uh in the united states anyway and it's uh it's next week that's like the the last part of week of july so yeah should be fun and then going to paris to do the same thing at the end of august too for vans and that'll be another another kind of mural sort of project too so right cool and they usually when i do vans artist stuff they usually post up on their blog too so maybe they'll have some links right on yeah there should be there should be some pretty good coverage uh next probably we're gonna paint like the 20th 21st 22nd 23rd around then uh-huh. i think mike giant and uh maybe jay Howell, russ pope and uh i, I don't want to mess up his name but i think it's zio ziegler do you know that guy He's from uh, up here I, I that name sounds familiar but i don't know him but yeah. three of those Nearly. guys have been on the show uh mike giant's been on the show a few okay. times really uh, okay. jay was just on the show recently yeah and uh <laughs> russ i haven't had russ on the show yet Okay. Yeah, he works, at, he works at Vans, and uh, he and I have known each other for a long time. He used to do a lot of skateboard stuff, too. Yeah, and, he's uh, rad. Actually, he painted on that same mural that I met uh, Steve Caballero at. Oh, did he? Yeah, okay. give him a hug for me when you see him. Oh, cool. Yeah, thanks Thanks so much, Mike, for talking, and good luck with all your projects. Yeah, brother, you too. Thanks a lot. <coughs> thanks. All right, we'll, I'll see you later. We'll talk soon. All right. Bye. Okay, later. <laughs> Must answer my questions nine. Sing ninety-nine and ninety. Are oh, you not God? You're one of mine. And you were the weaver's bonnie. What is whiter than the milk? Sing ninety-nine and ninety. And what is softer than the silk? And you were the weaver's bonnie. Snow is whiter than the milk. Sing ninety-nine and ninety, and down is softer than the silk. And I am the weaver's bonnie. Oh, what is higher than a tree? Sing ninety-nine and ninety, and what is deeper than the sea? And you are the weaver's bonnie. Heaven's higher than a tree. Sing ninety-nine and ninety, and hell is deeper than the sea. And I am the weaver's bonnie. What is louder than a horn? Sing ninety-nine and ninety, and what is sharper than a thorn? And you are the weaver's bonnie. Thunder's louder than a horn. Sing ninety-nine and ninety. And death is sharper than a thorn. And I am the weaver's bonnie. What's more innocent than a lamb? Sing ninety-nine and ninety. And what is meaner than womankind? And you are the weaver's bonnie. 
a babe more innocent than a lamb. Sing ninety-nine and ninety, and the devil is meaner than womankind. And I am the weaver's bonnie. Oh, you have answered my questions nine. Sing ninety-nine and ninety, and you were God, you were none of mine. And you were the weaver's bonnie. I learned that from Alfred. Uh, that's an old English ballad. That dates back about 40 years before Columbus, I think. <laughs>